Uh, we started last week at the uh, this last part of the book of Ephesians where it talks about uh, the fact that we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against um, spiritual powers and that uh, we find ourselves embroiled in this unseen war at all times. Uh, so the Christ life can kind of be likened to what it's like to take the lifeguard test. Anybody here ever been a lifeguard, grow up? You know, some of you, thank you very much. I was not a very good swimmer, never wanted to try. Um, but uh, I appreciate lifeguards because I'm not a good swimmer. I need you guys every once in a while. Uh, in the lifeguard test that I, I, my friends took when we were in high school, the last part of the test is you had to jump in the pool with all your clothes on and then uh, you know, take off your jeans and your T-shirt and actually take your jeans and you had, to blow, you had to tie off the ends of your jean pant legs and you had to blow air into them to make them into a, a flotation device. And I was like, well, why would you need to do that to work at the city pool? But that's what they had to do. And my friends who did that said that was the toughest part of the deal because you're in a pool trying to stay afloat as you're taking off, you know, uh, these articles of clothing and, uh, and, and trying to fashion them into life-saving um, pieces. And I thought, man, that's, that's probably what it's like to do the Christ life because those of us who are Christians, we, we know that there's things that God hopes for us and, and things that he, he desires us to go and live and do, but sometimes we're not aware of that we're in the middle of this life, spiritual life, threatening existence in this unseen war that's uh, raging all around us. We are called to obedience in the midst of a battle. And it's uh, hard sometimes to do the right thing. Anybody ever sense that? You know what you're supposed to do? Uh, You know you want to do it, but there's all these messages flashing across your screen in your head. It would be better if you did this. It would be more advantageous if you wouldn't do the right thing. Uh, Those are elements of this unseen war. Paul uh, finishes up his book of Ephesians. He's he's written five chapters on just incredible stuff. The first three all about doctrine and all the things that uh, we need to believe and understand about our God. Uh, You can go back and watch those sermons on our our website if you weren't able to be a part of them. Uh, In chapters four and five, he says, "Here's, here's how you apply all these things that you know about your God. Here's the deeds, the doctrines and the deeds that I want you to live out in this Christ life. But now he gets to this war and he says, listen, doctrine, deeds, those are great, but you need to recognize you're gonna be believing these things and exercising these things in the midst of a fierce battle in a spiritual war. He says in verse 10 of, uh, we read these verses last week of Ephesians chapter six, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Uh, The Christian credo is lay down and fight or get on your knees and fight. Uh, Jesus is our strength, Jesus is our warrior. We fight in his strength. Um, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. It's not an earthly, physical war, it's a spiritual war. But we wrestle against uh, rulers and authorities and cosmic powers of the present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. He goes on, and we'll go on this week into verse 13 where it says this. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. He's kind of repeating himself, circling back to things he said just a verse earlier or so. To put on the whole armor of God, and, and I want to pause here just to make sure we understand it's, it's all of it. Don't go half-dressed into the battle. Uh, I used to play uh, street hockey in Boston and in Canada where I used to live growing up, and uh, 
Uh, we were, you know, kids in the neighborhood. We didn't have all the flashy, you know, padding and stuff like that. So we would get really uh, clever. When the goalie, we would, we'd actually use like a really hard puck or a really hard hockey ball. And so when the goalie would have to play goalie, he'd want to be as protected as he could. He's got these things firing at him, at, you know, at, at fast speeds. And so we actually, uh, we, we grabbed one of our friend's foam mattresses. His parents didn't know. Don't tell them. It's, uh, but, uh, but we cut it up and we made like goalie pads out of this foam mattress you know, took some duct tape and wrapped them around. And we got very, and we made a, a goalie, you know, chest protector out of these foam things and stuff like that. And uh, whoever was, you know, uh, uh, selected to be the goalie on street hockey day, he wanted all the padding, every bit of it. Uh, didn't want to be uh, standing in front of that net without it. Uh, those of us who are following Jesus, uh, we understand that this armor, which we're going to talk about a couple pieces of it today, consists our, of God's truth, his righteousness, his gospel of fe- peace, his faithfulness, his salvation, his word, and, and it's all put into place uh, by our prayers. Um, we need all of that. Every attribute of God uh, that's described there is crucial in us gaining victory in the unseen war. So therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, some uh, read this and they think this must be a specific evil day. Uh, but I think uh, as we've read already in Ephesians, uh, all the days are evil. It actually says in Ephesians five, uh, yeah, chapter 5, verse 15, look carefully then uh, how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of your time because the days, all the days are what? They're evil. Therefore, do not be foolish but understand what the will the Lord is. Every day is hard. Some days are better. Anybody with me? Who's grateful for the grace of God in the better days? There's better days. But there are, in every day, opportunities for things to go terribly wrong. And I've been in those days. I told you last week when we started this, uh, the war's going to crank up, right? And in, in, in our lives, at our home, it cranked up, right? Uh, was without a truck for a couple weeks, got it back, and it still sounds like it's not fixed. Anybody ever picked up a car after spending a lot of money, and you're like, seriously, this is fixed? It doesn't sound like it's fixed. Came home that night after the truck being fixed, runs fine. I'll, I'll live with the noise. Uh, but my son comes to me and says, hey, Dad, I know your car's been in the shop. Mine's broken, too. And there's that, if you're a parent of someone who's uh, you know, got a car that you actually are still involved with, you just see dollar signs. <laughs> and you're like, I thought I just got done with cars being in the shop. I got another one that goes in. And we got text messages that were uh, disappointing from other kids. And just, you know, it just, it ramps up. The days are evil. So every day, those of us who follow after Jesus, we need to understand, we got to suit up, gear up, understanding that evil awaits and we need to be prepared Therefore, taking up uh, the first 13 again, therefore, taking up the whole armor of God, uh, you should have the whole armor on that you may be able to, under, or to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Having done all, preparing in, you know, for everything that could possibly happen in the bottle, uh, the bottle, the battle. <laughs> Maybe the bottle's your battle. I don't know. <clears throat> if, if it is, we have. Counseling and groups available. All right. Um, uh. (laughs) Having done all to prepare for the battle. He says it one more time. He says this. If if you read those verses with me, he says it over and over again. Stand firm. Stand. Stand, stand, stand. Don't sit down. Don't take a break. And most importantly, don't run. 
from the battle. Running from the battle is not what we are called to do in Christ. We're to stand firm, stand, stand firm, not give any ground to our adversary as we arm ourselves with God in his attributes. You know, some people sign up for the Christ life and they think, good, everything's gonna be great now. Everything's gonna be easy. Any Christians here wanna testify that that's not been the case? Yeah, it's, it's hard, life is hard for everybody, but sometimes, especially for those who follow Jesus, now, we are targets. Uh, if, if our adversary can get us to recant our faith, reject our faith, act like our faith doesn't matter, he's ahead in the overall war. He loves to use Christians against Christians. He loves to use Christians against Christ. He loves to discourage us, and so he ramps it up. And as he ramps it up, we should just accept that it's going to be hard sometimes. Take our lumps. Know that parts of this battle are going to hurt. But we stand firm in Christ regardless. Now we're going to get into the pieces of the armor here. We're going to cover two pretty much every week. And in verse 14, we see that command one more time. Stand firm or stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. He speaks of of the armor is something that we who are in Christ, we've already put it on. It's already on board. It's already here. It's just a, a matter of us choosing to utilize it in this life. It's already here once we put our faith in Christ. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. We want to answer this question with every week that we're together during this series called Jesus Strong. How do we stand strong in the unseen war? The first thing that we see here in the first piece of armor is that we need to know and choose the truth. I put a capital T on truth because in our world there's lots of vying truths. Lots of people think that they've found their truth. And lots of people say, uh, you can have your truth and I'll have my truth. That's kind of a philosophically um, incorrect statement. Uh, if there is truth, it can only be one truth. And for those of us who follow Christ, we believe that he is the way and the truth and the life. We need to know and choose God's truth. It says they're having fastened on the belt of truth. I don't know about you, but if I'm gonna start a list of the armor, I don't start with the belt. Like if you and I are gonna have a fight and we all get to pick our weapons, you know, and, and laying before us are all these, you know, articles of the armor, I'm going for the sword first. Who's with the, anybody with the sword? Let me start with a sword, something I can poke you with. Don't give me a belt, really, a belt? I'm going, to do with, I'm going to cinch this up. You just watch, right? <laughs> it's interesting that he starts with the belt. But once you start thinking about it, especially in terms of uh, a Roman soldier's armor, which is what Paul was basically drawing his analogy from. He had been guarded by Roman soldiers as a prisoner of Rome uh, throughout the writing of this letter and throughout you know, many years of his life. He had, he had been saved by Roman soldier, soldiers who had come to his rescue in different cities as he was getting his hand, you know, head handed to him uh, by those who did not like him. Uh, he, he was familiar with the armor. And so when it comes to us putting on the armor, he starts with the belt. He starts with truth. I think he does it uh, with much intentionality because truth and even this belt that soldiers wore, it's kind of holding the whole thing together. In fact, that's why I think it starts the list. Truth hold thing, holds things together. 
Yeah, the, the belt basically was, uh, was what a, 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 a soldier would put on pretty much first. Sometimes it had like a leather apron that kind of came down to the knees as protection, but, but overall it was just a belt. It, it, a, a Roman soldier would wear like a dress, a tunic, an open-ended garment uh, that this belt would kind of cinch at the middle. And then when it was time to fight, the, the Roman soldier would grab the ends of his tunic and he would tuck it into his belt, kind of forming like a makeshift diaper. Are you with me? And he would do that so that instead of having to, you know, fight in a dress, so to speak, he'd be able to fight in shorts, and he would be more agile, more able to defend himself, having tucked himself in correctly. It would hold the sword um, and the, the sheath that the sword was housed in, but principally the belt was what holds things all together. I, I came to church last night, uh, and I wear shorts on Saturdays because it's usually really hot, and I have some jeans that I keep here, and I, I change before I get up to preach. Um, and and I, I realized that I had forgotten my belt in my collection or collecting of my items to wear that night, and this is not a good thing when you're preaching, just so you know. Um, I have older man butt now, and things slide down now. Are you, are you with me? I don't know if I should say that out loud, but it's true. All the, guys in the, all the guys in the house understand what I'm talking about. You need your belt now, or suspenders, or anything else to keep the pants up. And it's hard for you to stand in front of people and orate if you're worried about your pants falling down. <laughs> It'd be hard for a Roman soldier to defend himself if he was unable to move and hold things in place. All right, so what can we say then about this belt and the truth? I'll say this, the battle, the spiritual battle that we're all in, it will be lost from the get-go if we fail to identify and act on the truth of God in our lives. Truth holds things together. Jesus promised victory to those who knew and acted on his truth earlier on in his time on earth. In John chapter 8, verse 31, he was talking with a bunch of uh, Jews who had started to believe in him, and he says to them, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciple, and you will know the, say it with me, truth, and the truth will set you free. Who's heard that before? We throw that around in our culture all the time. Truth will set you free. I don't know if we're always referring to Jesus and his truth, but it's a well-known axiom. Jesus said that, the truth will set you free, specifically my truth that comes to you as a part of you being my disciple, uh, from you abiding in my word. Jesus loved that word abide. He uses it a bunch in his teaching. He talked in John 15 about how he was the vine and we are the branches, right? And if we abide in him and he abides in us, we bear much fruit. But if, if we separate from him and separate from his truth, well then we're like dead branches that should just be thrown in a pile and, and, and burnt away. That's how useful we are. There's, there's nothing life-giving or fruitful that comes from us if we fail to abide in Jesus and his truth. But when we recognize the truth of Christ here in this unseen war that rages around us, we are set free to follow God through this battle to his best for us. So in every situation, on every evil day, which is every day, <laughs> our first move in the unseen war as we don the armor of God is to put on the truth, to cinch it tight. And we do that by asking this question in every situation we face. What is truth? What is truth? My mom uh, hammers me with this as I uh, call and complain to her from time to time in life. Anybody got a mom? Thank you, mom, again, uh, for Mother's Day. And, and all the moms, thank you for being moms that listen. 
But my mom will be on the other end of the phone as I'm explaining to her why my job stinks and why I don't want to do it anymore and, and why my kids are, you know, making me crazy and all these things. Uh, anybody? Who's, am I the only one? Okay. Uh, uh, so so I'm, I'm, I'm venting, I'm, I'm sharing, and uh, mom will listen to me for a long time, and then she'll ask me that question. All right, Mark, heard you. But what is truth? Mom, I told you the truth. Everything stinks. You know, nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I'm going to go eat some worms. She says, okay, Mark, I know that's how you feel, but what is truth? And then she's great at quoting me some of the truths that I've stood for and preached and founded my life on for years, right? If God is for us, who can be against us, right? God works all things together for the good of those who love him, right? And initially those truths kind of like are like, I know. (laughs) But as only mothers can, as she gently reminds, um, the panic level starts going down. You think about it, you know, people who are trained to come into um, extreme situations, they don't go by their feelings, they go by their training, they go by the objectives, the, 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 this is what has to happen in a triage situation or an emergency situation, I do this, I do this, I do this, regardless of what's going on. That's all Jesus is saying here, hey, if you got my truth, you're free. You're free to live this life. You're free to win this war. Eleanor and I sometimes have her, Eleanor, Eleanor's my wife if you don't know me, uh, we sometimes have conversations as husband and wife that um, things can get misconstrued. Married couples testify? <laughs> you ever said something that left your mouth and somewhere between here and her ears it got a little funky, right? And maybe the tone of voice or the, the context of what you were saying made this sound differently, and so either he or, or she, she or I will, uh, will, will react based on what we sense was said and come back perhaps you know, with a, a response that could signal this is going to escalate. Has anybody been in this situation? Yeah. That happens. It happens. And far too often in those situations, the person who starts Uh, the conversation or begins the escalation is responded to by the other person with an, oh yeah? If you think, you know, that's what I said, this is what I really wanted to say, and then off we go, right? But by the grace of God, in the moment uh, that it takes to process what uh, someone has said to us that could be taken as offense, I'm guessing that from time to time, truth kicks in and you're like, wait a minute, this isn't worth it. It'd just be better for me to explain my first utterance than to compound the problem with another one. Now, perhaps uh, subconsciously, the truth slides through your soul and through your mind, and things like love covers over a multitude of sins, like Peter told us in his first letter. That kicks in, and you're like, you know what? I don't want to tangle about this. I love my wife. She loves me. We're going to go on and have a good day. Sometimes I get discouraged by uh, the choices that my, uh, my kids are making. And uh, at, at different times as I'm uh, in the 
place where I am raising adults, I can just be overwhelmed with the wondering of how this is all going to turn out. I can feel despondent. And then in his still small voice, the Holy Spirit whispers to me, he who began a good work will be faithful to complete it. Truth is powerful. We have the opportunity to seek the truth in our uh, unseen war, in the circumstances of our life, and allow truth to dictate what we do so that we can gain victory. I pray that all of us will. I pray that not just that, not just all of us will choose truth on our own, but I pray that all of us will seek to inject truth like my mom did and does uh, by being a belt tightener. Has anybody ever helped someone with their, their wardrobe? You know, someone walks in and they've, uh, they've unintentionally un, un, un left their collar up like this and, and, and you, you've put up with it for as long as you can until you're finally like, look, bro, I gotta help you out. Let me get that for you. <laughs> you ever done that? Like, I'll do that for complete strangers and they kind of shoot you like, like you're, you're going in to touch their neck and they're like, I'm like, bro, I'm just trying to help. Here, here. let me put your collar down because you look like a dork, right? <laughs> uh, we get to uh, be uh, armor enhancers for each other. Uh, we get to kind of help each other with the armor. Uh, when it comes to truth, we get to be belt tighteners. We get to be the ones who come in in a situation and where someone's freaking out, be like, hey, 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 what, what is truth? I don't know what truth is. Okay, let me help you. Here's the truth. God's got this. Let me cinch that belt for you. <clears throat> Quickly, uh, immediately after we ask this question, what is truth, we need to get to a, a statement, a declarative statement. Because it's not just enough to know the truth. Knowing the truth will put us in a position to be free, but it's in enacting the truth that we truly find freedom. So you and I have to get to the point where very quickly we get past discerning the truth as saying, I choose the truth. I choose the truth. How many times have we known the truth and chosen it not? I'm great at that. I can know exactly what God says about a given situation and I could still be like, yeah, but. Christians are great at the yeah, but. Yeah, God, I know you got this, but. When we do that, do you know it's not just damaging to us and uh, limiting of us in this unseen war, it's, it's also us switching sides in the unseen war. Jesus uh, basically goes on in this same place in John chapter 8 where he's talked about this truth setting us free, and, and he gets confronted by some of the other Jews that are standing there listening to him teach, and they have this, it, it turns kind of nasty. They basically um, infer that Abraham is their father, the, these Jews, and, and, and infer that Jesus doesn't know who his father is because he was born uh, purportedly to Mary, but not to Joseph. Uh, these are you know, kind of fighting words. And Jesus just looks at these, these other Jews who are discrediting his, his authority and, and saying that he's a liar, and he says this, he says in chapter eight, verse 43, why do you not understand what I say? Well, I'll tell you. It's because you can't bear to hear my word, to hear my truth. Before it's even out of my mouth, you're rejecting what I say. You, you then, verse 44, are of the father, of your father, and speaking of fathers, you think it's Abraham, your father, your true father, is the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. 
He was a murderer from the beginning, and he, he does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you don't believe me. This is why uh, later on in his story, Jesus turns to one of his best friends, a guy named Peter. And as he's talking about the fact that he has to go to Jerusalem and die and rise again, and Peter says, no way. Remember what Jesus says to Peter? Get thee behind me, Satan. Why? Because in that moment, Peter switched teams. When Peter refused to accept and act on the truth that Jesus had given him, unwittingly, unintentionally, he became a part of the battle on the other side. Oh, for a do-over on the times where I have unwittingly and unintentionally been used by our adversary to cloud the truth in someone else's life. Hmm. When we fail to choose the truth, when we try to win this war in our own strength, in our own flesh and blood, uh, we make a mess in doing so. And God tells us here through Paul as he writes about this armor, he says, hey man, right off the bat, know the truth and choose the truth. It'll be the key to your success in the unseen war. And I'm grateful for those throughout history uh, who have done this, who have known the truth and chosen the truth, no matter what the cost was to them. Uh, we sit here this morning in great part because there were brave men and women, courageous men and women, uh, who wouldn't budge. They put the belt on, they kept it on. Uh, Jesus, I think, is, is the greatest example of this. Uh, he knows that he's come to die. It's not his favorite idea. He tells his father the night before he is crucified, he says, hey, father, if, if we could pass this cup for me, that's fine. But then he says, but not my will, not my truth, not my method or my uh, you know, scenarios, your will be done. Peter uh, has some hard moments there where he rejects the truth, uh, but then in Acts, he comes back, he rallies, and he leads the disciples, the early followers of Jesus in Jerusalem, um, uh, in standing firm in the truth of Jesus Christ. Remember, he was arrested, he and his friends, they were brought before the Sanhedrin, and he's standing there, and the, the authorities in Jerusalem, the city officials were saying to him, you've got to stop preaching about this carpenter from Nazareth. It's heresy. We killed him for it. We'll kill you too. Remember what Pete said? He says, hey, appreciate it, mayor, whatever you are. But here's the deal. We were told that we were going to be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. We got a mission. We're on a mission, and we're not deviating from the mission. Our truth is our truth. You do what you got to do. But we're going to continue to profess Christ. And the amazing thing is that the guy said, okay, and they let him go. And we sit here today because that early group of uh, followers of Jesus Christ stood for the truth. Martin Luther, yeah, towards the Middle Ages, all kinds of uh, atrocities and heresies were cropping up in the, in the one true church of Christianity. And he said, you know what, I've read my Bible. I can't keep st sitting by idly and just saying, yeah, okay. And so he nailed 99 theses, 99 ideas to the Wittenberg door. And he started the the Protestant, the protest movement in the church. And you and I sit here in a Protestant church because Martin Luther stood for the truth. 
The truth is first because without it, we never get to the rest of the armor. It is the belt that holds everything together. Know it and choose it. And then secondly, we need to put on this breastplate of righteousness. We need to know that you and I are right. It says in verse 14, stand therefore, having fastened the belt of truth and having put on this breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate was kind of like, you know, uh, uh, you know, a, a catcher's gear. It's like a, a rig that goes in the front. It would sometimes slip down past your, your groin. And it was, it was chief, uh, its chief purpose was to protect your vitals, your heart, your lungs, your guts. Uh, when, when your enemy would try to stab you there in that hand-to-hand combat that was common in, in the warfare of the time, this uh, bronze or uh, metal plate would keep those attacks from landing no wonder then that he refers to our righteousness as our uh, heart protectors. Uh, the, the, the righteousness that we've been given in Christ, not the righteousness that you and I could ever achieve on our own. Let's be clear on that, right? Uh, we are not righteous. In our efforts to be right, we could never be righteous in the way that God commands righteousness to accord. We understand uh, here, even in this book, that uh, before we met Christ, before Christ gave us his righteousness, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. That's chapter two, verse one. Paul tells us in Romans that there are none righteous. No, not one, no matter how hard they try. Uh, Like Isaiah says in Isaiah 64, uh, all of us have become like the one who is unclean in our righteousness, and our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf in the wind of our sins sweeps us away. The point that the Bible's making about us and our righteousness is that it's not right. But thankfully, everybody look at me, lean in. If you are in Christ, you are clothed in the righteousness of your Savior. And his righteousness stands as a protector for you in this unseen war. We've been made holy in Christ. We've been given the Spirit's fruit As he lives in us, we learned earlier in Ephesians that we shouldn't be drunk with wine, but we should be filled with the Spirit because the Spirit is in us, because Christ is in us. We are right. And our enemy can't come back at us with our sin, the things that we've done in our past, because if Christ has forgiven those sins, the power of those sins has been neutralized forever in him. You know, I go uh, uh, to these stores that I frequent, Costco, Sam's, Walmart, they're checking for receipts on the way out now. Have you noticed this? I guess people are stealing lots of melons or something like that. And, and so they gotta check and make sure that you're not throwing extra stuff in your buggy. And so I stand there, who's been there? Anybody been to one of these things? They kinda, you know, you got the long, if it's the, you know, the, the month shopping, it's a really long thing, and they're, and they're just counting to see how many items you have, but then, then they, you know, it, whether it's a marker or a, you know, a little uh, initials, they, they basically say, okay, you're cool. And so then you push your buggy out into the hot Florida sun and try to load your minivan up and off you go. Uh, Wouldn't it be crazy if those people, uh, once you've passed through the door and shown your receipt, came out to you and said, hey, you didn't pay for that. Like the same person at the door who marked your receipt came back up to you by your van and said, wait a minute, you're not going anywhere. You didn't pay for that. What would you do? Well, as a kind Christian, I would pray that you would gently produce for them the receipt that they had just reviewed and you would show them, indeed, I have paid, brother. (laughs) But in doing so, you would be reminding them that the transaction is over. And because your price has been paid, 
They hold nothing on you. It's the same with us and our accuser. When we accepted the payment of Christ at the cross, when we accepted by faith that he would stand in our place for the penalty of our sin, that he would forgive us of our sin, that he would wipe us clean from our sin, we were forever positioned as perfect in him and our adversary, who is, don't forget this, the accuser. The way he gets you off in the war is he reminds you of who you were instead of telling you who you are. And any time he accuses you, you just come to him and say, paid in full, I've got the receipt. His name is Jesus. Being made right in Christ, uh, uh, it, it puts our past in the past. It puts us in position for victory in our present and our future. That's why, as Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, he says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He goes on later in that chapter and he says, what then shall we say to these things, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised and who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Right now, I don't know if you've ever tried to picture some of the things that Paul's writing about, but when I picture that the Son sits at the right hand of the Father and that he intercedes for us, here's what he's saying. When our adversary comes to God and says, David's no good. I know what David did in his life. There's no way that he could ever be righteous enough for you. Jesus says, Father, I paid for Dave. I paid for Mark. I paid for Russ. And in me, they have become righteous. And that righteousness will protect them in this unseen war. Now, that, that's a great mindset to go into the war with. I'm, I'm, I'm right, I'm in Christ and therefore I am righteous. There's no condemnation that can beset me. But righteousness isn't just this mindset, like, just like truth isn't just something that lives in your mind, it's something that you live out with your life. And so, quickly we have to go from knowing we're right to choosing what's right. It tells us in Ephesians a little bit earlier in the same letter that uh, we are to be imitators of God as beloved children. We're supposed to go out there and live as God lives. In another letter, Paul told his friends in Philippi that, that what you have learned and received and heard and, see and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Take what you know. Take this righteousness that you've been given and, and employ it. It's not just enough to be right in Christ. We must go and live right for Christ with him as our strength in doing what's right. The question some of you might be asking is, why is it so important to choose the right things, to do the right things here in this unseen war? I would say to you that doing the right things keeps the power of wrong from taking hold of us. Right choices are our defense against present evil and future temptation. If we get in this, this path or in this this uh, routine of choosing right things, we get used to doing so, and the wrong things become less tempting. Put another way, doing what's right keeps us from the rut of what's wrong. Our choices for right or for wrong lead ultimately to subsequent choices of the same. You ever notice that, like sin is like dominoes? The first one falls and there's many to come. Just go to the first sin, yeah, Adam and Eve, what was the first sin? 
Well, they believed uh, our adversary uh, in his lies, and they, they ate of the one fruit that they weren't supposed to eat of. Remember that, right? And then what happened after that? They just confessed and said sorry, and everything was fine, right? No, they, they began sinning more to cover up the first one. So they covered themselves with fig leaves because of the shame of them knowing that they uh, you know, knew what they knew now. They, they were naked. Uh, they, they hid in the garden. Great play from an omniscient, all-seeing God, right? Uh, when God called to them, they were evasive. When God confronted Adam, he blamed his wife. When he confronted the wife, she blamed the snake. Does everybody see how sin works? Sin begets sin begets sin begets sin. In the same way, righteousness produces righteousness and produces righteousness. Paul wrote about that to the Galatians. We're studying that with my life group on Thursday mornings. And he said this, he says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked or marked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. And the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. Let us not... Grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Righteous seeds, righteous harvest, and a strengthening for the next battle. Unrighteous seeds, corrupt harvest, and we start spiraling down. An old Christian comedian said, the Bible's full of lots of do's, not as many don'ts. If we spend our time doing the do's, we don't have time to do the don'ts. Do the do's. Live by God's strength in righteousness and watch as those righteous choices prepare you and posture you in this unseen war for victory. We're gonna talk more about the armor as we move forward in this series. But the common theme in all of it is that we are told to stand firm. Stand firm this week in truth and in righteousness. Stand firm as the other parts are revealed. Stand firm in the strength of our Savior Jesus so that you can honor God with this life that he's given you, so that you can have victory in this unseen battle. We've been singing this song around here for a while, but we're going to stand as we close this morning here on this Mother's Day. And one more time, assert our intentions that we will stand with our Savior.
next line in that song is, what can, what can I say, what can I do, but offer this heart, Lord, completely to you. Uh, Father, that is uh, my stand personally today uh, in the things that I um, struggle with and the areas of my doubt in the uh, places where I uh, feel defeated. Um, I choose by your grace in your strength to stand with you, Jesus, and to trust you, to stay in awe of you, to seek your truth and to choose it in my life, to accept your righteousness and to choose it in my life. Would you give us all victory in this unseen war? Would you lead us to your blessed uh, God, so that you get the glory you deserve, so that we get from you what you desire for our lives. Uh, help us to stand, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Happy Mother's